Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So we've been talking about the heart of the Father, and the books are all gone, and we've, I think we reordered three times. But thank the Lord they're all gone next summer. I've, in fact, when we were on vacation, this annoys my children to the max. But I really live to annoy them, don't you? And uh, so I like to hold myself up in the room, and they just have quiet time, because my phone's not going off, and... You know, I don't have the demands of meeting with people and all those things. And so it's just a really sweet time for me. And so I was able to write a full chapter and parts of chapter two and chapter three for next summer. And I'm really excited about it. I've shared with you many times how the biggest struggle, and I think this is probably common in all firstborns. How many firstborns? Raise your hand if you are a firstborn. Leave your hand up. Okay, quite a few of you. A big struggle, struggle, especially for firstborns, but really, if you think about it for all people, is the feeling of being punished or not. If you have trouble at all receiving from the Lord, then there's probably that little part of you that always wants to dot every I and cross every T. You know, I want to do it right. If I do it wrong, oh no. And so one day... I don't think I've shared this with you. My husband was looking out the window at the squirrels. We, squirrels are cute. We do not like them. They are very damaging. And they dig up my flowers. And I don't understand why they can't just take the acorns and go into somebody else's yard. I have a lot of oak trees, but apparently they don't like that. And so he was looking out the window at the squirrels, counting the squirrels. And I was sitting in my chair and I was praying, but we were talking and all of a sudden, and I had been praying about next summer, and I'd been, I had some ideas of things that I would like to do, but I never do what I would like to do. I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. And, and I clearly saw and heard, unpunished, a journey of redemption. And I started writing, and it just, it just flowed. And so, Mary Ann, get ready. She's my professional editor that just freely gives of herself, and I'm so grateful for that. So we've been talking about the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father, the nature of God, is seen through the face of Jesus. And that is made very plain in 2 Corinthians 3. If you want to know the Father, look at Jesus. All of the names of God are revealed through Jesus. He reveals himself in the Old Covenant, and it goes right through the cross into the New Covenant. He is our shepherd Jehovah Raha, and Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He is the Lord who heals us, Jehovah Rapha. Matthew 18, 8, 17, we've seen that. He healed people in order to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Himself took our sickness and removed our diseases. He's our provider. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was so very rich, for our sake he became so very poor that through his poverty, we might be made rich and abundantly supplied. He is our peace. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, he himself is our peace, Jehovah Shalom. Today, we're going to see he is our banner. This was the one chapter I did not want to write last summer when I wrote this. I thought, Jehovah Nissi, okay. It just wasn't revelation or rhema to me. And yet, it was writing about the Lord our banner that cut me to the core and changed my whole perspective. So I'll tell today a story that was actually, um, that I actually wrote in the book, but you're going to hear it firsthand. But my whole attitude was Murphy's Law. What is Murphy's Law? Everybody know? If something bad will happen, can happen, it will. And you'd be amazed how many Christians live by Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law. I have people tell me all the time, and I do a lot of ministering. Well, the devil's attacking me. Well, it's just one tack. Or this is the, the thing I hear the most. I absolutely can't stand it. Well, the devil's working overtime. Let me tell you something about the devil. Listen carefully to me. The more power you give him, the stronger he will become in your lives. And that's all there is to it. If I want my dog, I don't call Kelly's dog. If I want Winnie, I don't call Braley. I call Winnie. What are you calling to yourself? If you want to be healthy, don't say, oh, this is going around. It's allergy season. And don't ever name disease as yours. I hear it all the time. My arthritis, my allergies, my cancer, my heart disease. Why would you claim it? And I'm telling you right now, I correct unbelievers who do that. That's why they don't like me. Excuse me. I, I forgot to take a drink before I started. So call what you want, not what you don't want. And you have to train yourself to do that, actually. But they, David, a man after God's own heart in Psalm 34 said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. So rather than calling fear, he called on the deliverer. I sought the Lord and he heard me. So make sure you call what you want to your life, not what you don't want. My marriage problems, my debt, my lack, my shortage. No, I will not do that. You will not hear me do that. And so I really want to just take a moment as before we get into the Lord our banner to talk a little bit about words. I came across this scripture and it's so powerful. It's Psalm 56, 9. And I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation. The very moment, we're talking about the heart of the Father. The very moment I called to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. Yeah, but I called on him and nothing turned. Well, nothing turned that you see. Don't, listen, the spirit realm is more powerful than your physical realm. This, this, this material, tangible realm is just to help me relate to earth. I am a spirit. I have a soul. This is just my earthly tent. And someday, my strong spirit will leave this tent. That's not a bad thing as long as I die on time. 
I don't like it when people don't die on time. What do, what do you think about that? I want to die on time. When I have fulfilled all of the purposes of God in my generation, that's what I'm going for. I want to, to be young until the day I die at a very old age, and I want to die well, not sick. I don't want to be kicked out of my body. Would you rather check out of your hotel or would you rather be kicked out? You want to check out. That's how the patriarchs passed. They died at a ripe old age, full of years, satisfied with life. That's what it says about our father Abraham. And it said in Christ, we are all seeds of Abraham. I'm the seed of Abraham. That means I'm entitled to the blessing of Abraham. So in the very moment I called you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, this one thing I know, say this one thing I know. God is on my side. I trust in the Lord. If you don't know God is on your side, you're constantly going to be running from the devil. I have good news for you. He's already been defeated. In Colossians 2, it says God disarmed him of power and triumphed over him openly and made a public display of him. He did his part. We have to do our part. And our part is to take authority, to take a rightful stand. So the very moment I call for a father's help, the tide of battle turned. It is amazing the past several days. I make sure I read a prophetic word at least every day. Because the Bible says, trust his prophets and succeed. And if you're in a church that minimizes the role of the prophetic word, you're not getting encouraged the way you need to be encouraged. Because the role of a true prophet is to encourage you to build you up, to exhort you, and to comfort you, not to bring condemnation on you. I don't, I don't hang out with Job's friends. I can tell you that right now. They're frenemies. And I don't hang out with frenemies. And you shouldn't either. But repeatedly, even this morning, they are saying, I love this, you are turning the corner. You are turning the corner. And like if you look up, for instance, in Cambridge Dictionary, what it means to turn the corner, it means you are coming out of a very hard and trying time and taking a new direction. But you have to take it. You have to, you have to use your words and say, I'm turning the corner. I'm turning the corner from anxiety. I'm turning the corner from fear. I'm turning the corner from bad reports. I'm turning the corner from weakness. I'm turning the corner from mental distress. I am turning the corner today. Can you accept now for an answer? Psalm 57, 2 and 3 from the Passion. I will cry out to you, the God of highest heaven, the mighty God who performs all these wonders for me. Here you go. From heaven, he will send a father's help to save me. He will trample down those who trample me. He will always show me love by his gracious and constant care. That's the father's heart. The father's heart is love. The father's heart is goodness. The father's good is heart is mercy, loving kindness, the hesed of God. He's going to give me a father's help from the heart of the father. All right, so words, excuse me, in Daniel 2, 10, 2 through 12. Okay, we know what happens. Daniel's praying. He's fasting for 21 days. He didn't eat any meat. 
He didn't drink any wine. He did not anoint himself for three full weeks. And one day on the 24th day of the first month, he lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, this is verse five, a man clothed in linen, his loins, this is an angel, gird with pure gold, his body, golden luster, light barrel, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms, his feet, glowing burnished bronze. The sound of his words was like the noise of a multitude of people, of roaring of the sea. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision of this heavenly being. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and I saw this great vision and there was no strength left in me for my fresh appearance was turned to pallor. I grew weak, I was faint and I heard the sound of his words. And when I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep. My face sunk to the ground and behold, a hand touched me, which set me unsteadily upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And the angel said to me, O Daniel, you greatly beloved man, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for to you I am now sent. And while he was saying this word to me, I stood up trembling. Now here's the power. He said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart and your mind to understand and humble yourself before your God. Listen. Your words were heard and I have come as a consequence and in response to your words. Did you hear that? I have come in response to your words. Now Psalm 107, 20 says, the angels of God are mighty in strength and they obey the voice of his word. I have come in response to your words. What are you giving the angels? the words to work with. That's why I keep encouraging you, take your medicine every day. And you know what I've started doing? I mean, for 30 days, 30 days, and I showed you the tabs, there's multitudes, probably 75. For 30 days, I took that every single day, every single word. And now I've started mixing it up. And I've taken, you, you can find all kinds of books that have, confessions of healing or confessions of prosperity or confessions would just have the scriptures there for you. Because you know what? I don't want it to become rote. And that's what will happen. It's, it's as if every day, all that I eat every day is the same egg. And you never change it up. I have a friend that says for good health, your diet needs to be uh, oh, Lord, what is it now? Why, why would I say that? Fresh, raw, and varied. Fresh, raw, and varied. So I want the word, daily bread, I want it to be fresh bread to me. Raw word, that means it doesn't have a commentary. I want to allow the Holy Spirit, who is my teacher, to teach me. And varied. And so I encourage you to do that. Don't let the word become rote, or as Jesus called it, a vain repetition. But let it have meaning. So when you speak it, you hear it, you believe it. And, and the angels will come in response to your words. All right, so today, oh, and then I wanted just to point out Genesis 2, or excuse me, 28, 10 through 12. And this is about Jacob's ladder. And Jacob came to a certain place and stayed overnight. The sun was set. And he laid his head on a stone. How awful. Can you imagine using a stone for your pillow? 
I mean, my neck hurts just hearing that. And he dreamed there was a ladder. Now listen, this is important. He dreamed there was a ladder and set up on earth and the top reached heaven. And the angels, here we go, the angels were, the angels were ascending and descending. Do you see it? They weren't coming from heaven to earth. They were coming from earth to heaven. It doesn't say they were descending and ascending. It says they were ascending. What are they ascending with? This is a question. Your words. They were ascending with your words. We'll look at Isaiah 55 at the end. So shall not my word be that descends out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. So what are you returning? Angels come in response to your words. So are you giving them something to work with? Oh, my diseases. Oh, my headache. Oh, my sinuses. Oh, my aching back. Well, no wonder people are in so much pain. And I've heard doctors tell people, well, I'm worried about your fill in the blank. I'm telling you, if I have a doctor tell me they're worried about me, I'm not going to that doctor. Why worry? You know what worry is? It's negative faith. That's what worry is. It's negative faith. Okay, so let's look at the first mention. Remember, when something's mentioned the first time in the Bible, it follows a thread throughout Scripture. All right. First mention of Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner, is found in Exodus 17, 8 through 15. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but the Israelites are fighting the Amalekites, and Joshua is the leader. And there was Moses and Aaron and Hur, Moses' sidekicks, Aaron and Hur, H-U-R, not H-E-R. It was not a pronoun. It was his name. And they were sent to the hilltop by Joshua. And when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and grew weary. I mean, you know, hold up your hands and keep them up, and you'll see how long it is before you get tired. And he's holding a rod, by the way. So his friends, Aaron and Hur, actually, Aaron was his brother. And they took a stone, they put it under him, Moses sat down, and then Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other. And so that his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua mowed down and disabled the Amalek and the people with the sword, and the Lord said to Moses, write this for memorial in the book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, and I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. He's my banner. And I have a question for you today. What is flying over your head? That's what a banner does. It flies over your head. What is flying over your head? Is fear flying over your head? Is worry flying over your head? Is anxiety flying over your head? Is negativity flying over your head? What is flying over your head? You know, you see those airplanes are used to, I don't know if they're, or the good, what was it, the good, good year blimp. 
And it would fly with the banner and all the children were, yay! And everybody wanted to see what it said. A very dear friend of mine, Julie Fowler, who lives in College Station, a couple few years ago, I was going through a hard time, and uh, she texted me one day, and she said, I need you to call me. And I'm thinking, why don't you call me? And I think I said that, actually. And she said, no, I need you to call me. So I dialed her number, and she answered the phone just like this. Hello, victorious one. And she said, the Lord told me you were to call me, and I was to answer. Hello, victorious one. Because he wanted to change what was flying over my head to victorious one. But you know what? We all need an Aaron and a her. Who is yours? Jesus had the one, John, who was his beloved. I like that because John proclaimed himself the beloved. And then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. They were his closest. And, you know, you all need to, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Keep your circle small. That doesn't mean you don't have friends. It doesn't mean you're not kind and that you love everybody. It doesn't mean you can't have a birthday party. But keep your circle small. It's important. Jesus kept his circle small. He loved everybody. He knew all along who the traitor was. And you know the principle there is one in every 12 has the capacity to betray you. Keep your circle small. And if you're a woman, and today, that's everyone in this room is a woman. I can tell you, there's nothing meaner than a mean girl, right? Nothing meaner than a mean girl. And now at my stage of the game, I see what some of the young women, the teens especially, are going through. And girls can just be so mean. And I'm sure that means they're either wounded or they have mean mothers. But I'm telling you, keep your circle small. Everyone needs an Aaron and a her, everyone. Who will agree with your words. So that banner is what flies over your head, what prevails over you. For Moses, Aaron and her, it was the defeat of the Amal Amalekites. It was victory. The Lord is our banner. So do you have an Aaron and a her? Psalm 24 and 5, may the Lord grant you according to your heart's desire, fulfill all your plans. We will shout in triumph at your salvation and victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. You know, I love the banner that says granted. Psalm 64 and 5, but now you have set up a banner for those who fear you to which they may flee from the bow, a standard displayed because of the truth that your beloved ones may be delivered. Save with your right hand and answer us. How? With your banner. Now, my testimony, and again, I share this in your book, but if you don't have the book, I'm going to share it with you anyway. Last summer, I was driving to one of uh, my grandson's games. or It was last year sometime. And as I was driving, all of a sudden, I saw what I thought was a serpent. And it's those Chinese banners that you see in the parades. Everybody know what I'm talking about? They're very colorful and beautiful. All these turquoise and hot pink and, you know, all these bright, beautiful colors. 
And in big black letters, I saw the word foreboding over that banner. And the Lord said, that is the banner that has flown over your head all of your life. The word foreboding means fearful apprehension, a feeling that something bad will happen. You know that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're just waiting. You know what I think about when I, and I, this just sounds awful. I think infants are precious. I can't stand the cry except to know they're alive. It's like in the middle of the night when you are so exhausted, if you've ever had an infant, you are so wiped out, you don't think you can live another day without sleep. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you close your eyes in foreboding because you know that as soon as you fall asleep, you're going to hear, ah, ah. you know that sound. And so I saw that foreboding, and it, it almost took my breath away. And the Lord said, I want to rename your banner. And I asked him what, it, what the banner he had put over me, Jehovah Nissi. And he told me what he had put over me. And I'm asking you today to ask the Lord to change what is flying over your head and what is prevailing over you. Because if it's contrary to the word of God, it's not from him. And remember, angels will come in response to your words. And so I came home and I started sharing this with some people I trust. And I said, you know that serpent? And it was like that, that someone said, Sandy, that's not a serpent. It's a dragon. And the apostle John called the devil that great dragon of old. Proverbs 15 and verse 15. All the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast. And that's the insidious voice that had been in my head for all those years. Despondency, anxious thoughts and forebodings. That fearful apprehension that something bad will happen, even when things were good. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast. I want you to ask the Lord, is there any foreboding in me? It might be what the doctor said to you. I watched my sister every time she got a bad report fall apart. And I would say, but whose voice are you listening to? What is that tumor saying to you? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But what is the Lord saying to you? The voice you listen to is the voice that will prevail. I remember, this is so odd, I was in the fifth grade. And I just have to tell you, um, elementary school teachers are probably some of the most important voices your children will ever hear. I had a wonderful first grade teacher. Her name was Sister Bernadette. I went to Catholic school. And I loved her. She was so kind to me. I still, can, I still see her face. She was so beautiful to me. Now, none of these precious nuns are alive anymore because they'd all be well over 100 by now. But Sister Bernadette, she showed me such kindness and such love. And then second, third, fourth grade, you know, my teachers were, eh. 
I get to fifth grade, and I had a nun named Sister Letizia. And again, they're not alive anymore. I mean, if they are, they're centurions. What are they called? Centurions. Is that what they're called? Centenarians. And uh, she was awful. She carried a ruler. I still see her face. The two elementary school teachers I remember, first and fifth grade, I still see her face. She was mean as a snake. And she did not like me. And she had a profound negative effect on that banner of foreboding over my head. I cringed. I mean, she would walk the aisles with the ruler. And now in those days, I don't think they do anymore, but in those days, nuns wore habits. Does everybody know what a habit is? We have for years had season tickets to the Majestic. And the lady that sat in front of us, I think we're on the seventh, seventh row. The lady that sat in front of us was on the sixth row, and she was a nun. But she dressed just like this. And I remember looking at her one day, and I said, I miss the habits, don't you? And she said, have you ever worn one? I said, no. Well, you wouldn't miss it if you had. And Abigail, do they still wear habits at UIW? They don't? They, do they dress like normal people? Okay. Well, I mean, they are normal people, but. But, you know, they had the long rosaries, and I thought they were so cool, except for Sister Letizia. And she would walk those aisles and with that ruler. And that's how I saw the father with the ruler ready to slap me. That's the kind of effect a bad teacher will have on your children. And I wasn't planning on saying this, but if you have elementary school children, I'm just telling you, you better, you better be their advocate with their teachers and pray they get somebody like Miss Bonnie. She was a teacher for, what, 27 years? A long time. <laughs> And a good teacher and a nurturer. That's, that's who you want your children to have. Or next year, Abigail will be a teacher. Pray your children get her. That would be a wonderful, wonderful. So the Lord showed me one day when I was praying bombs that want to explode over our head and create a banner. And I'm going to read to you the D-bombs. Here you go. And remember, what letter does devil begin with? Now, if your name begins with a D, that's a good thing. We're just talking about these particular Ds. Demonic, doubt, depression, discouragement, delay, debt, unfulfilled desires, dis-ease and disease, despair, distrust, division, destruction, defiance, disillusionment, disunity, disharmony, undesirable, dissed, and dismissed. Do any of these fly over your head or any of these your banner? I'm going to tell you a banner we all need to have over our head. Protected airspace. Enemy, you are not allowed in my airspace. It's called the helmet of salvation for a reason. It's part of your spiritual armor. It's that soteria. The Greek word for salvation is soteria. It means deliverance and rescue. So our minds should be protected airspace. I'm telling you right now, 
I mean, my sister passed from breast cancer. I will never wear a pink ribbon. I will never wear a blue ribbon. Isn't that heart disease? Or a red ribbon is heart disease. What's a blue ribbon? Well, there's a color of ribbon for every disease. You know why? Because I cannot associate with the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. But what if you die? Well, if you go to heaven, praise the Lord. If that's the worst thing that can ever happen to you, glory to God. I just want you and me and all of us to go to heaven because we've made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And we've asked his Holy Spirit to immerse us in his power and his authority. Psalm 107, 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His mercy, his loving kindness endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has delivered from the hand of the adversary. I wish I could tell you you'll never be attacked, but that would be a lie. You will be and I will be and I have been and I will be again and so will you. If you're in a good season right now, enjoy it. Because Jesus said when the storm comes, it's the quality of your house that will determine if you stand. If your house is built on the word of God, you will stand in the storm, but the storm will come. And it will huff and puff and try to blow your house down. But if you're founded on the word of God, your house will stand and withstand the storm. Let me tell you, when we get reports, and you know there's, uh, there's almost no such thing as rain in San Antonio. I mean, it's like a storm and the air, you know, on the, what do you call that thing, TV? All these reports, expected hail and wind and uh, gale force winds and on and on and on. And you know what Randy and I do? We walk to the window and we say in the name of Jesus, we bind destructive storms. We command healthy rains that water the earth and fill up our aquifer. Don't just sit there and go, oh my God, I'm going to have to replace my roof again. <laughs> you know, the last destructive storm we had, which was what, two years ago, I guess, I guess it was two years ago. I, every single, I have a small, I live in a small subdivision, two, I think it's 200 homes. Every single house had to replace their roofs, but guess what? Our roof was old. It was a blessing. And so all we had to do was pay the deductible, which was still ridiculous, but better than the full price. But we're the redeemed of the Lord. Don't just let the storm come without standing up to it. There's not a time that a storm came that Jesus didn't rebuke it. There's not a time where he said, oh, my father, what are we going to do? God is not wringing his hands. Use your words. Angels will come in response to your words. See what's flying over your head. Is it a bad report or is it the report of the Lord? Whose report will you believe? Isn't it interesting that Isaiah 53, talking about the promised Messiah, the first question Isaiah asked is, whose report will you believe? Because that's what you'll have, is the report that you believe. You know the story of the storm in Mark 4, 35 through 41. Jesus said, uh, let's go to the other side. He already told them what was going to happen. We're going to the other side. You have a promise from God. Well, duh, there's a storm in between the promise and the provision. It's Bible. I don't like it. 
I mean, we take the little thing out of our promise box and we go, hallelujah. And then the storm hits and then we go, well, I guess I didn't hear God. Or maybe you did. And that's why the storm came. And so it was a furious storm in verse 37, hurricane proportions. The waves were beating the boat. It was becoming filled. But Jesus, Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. And they woke him up with the famous lie of the storm. Master, do you not care that we are perishing? Two lies. God doesn't care. We're going to die. Has the voice of the storm changed? Come on, tell the truth. How many of you, you're in a storm, you're in a battle, and you, you hear that voice, God doesn't care? <laughs> if God cared, why is this happening to me? Stand up, rebuke the storm. I don't know how to do that, just what Jesus did. In the name of Jesus, I bind you with the keys of the kingdom. I command your voice to silence. But it didn't stop right away. What banner's flying over your head? My banner says victorious one. God already declared my banner. What's yours? Romans 8, 14 through 17, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And we have now received not, we have received not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we call, cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our own spirit, assuring us we're sons of God if we're his children, we're his heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. And we share his inheritance, but we must share his suffering. What's his suffering? Is disease his suffering? No, he already bore it. Is poverty his suffering? No, he already bore that. What is his suffering? First Peter 4. Arm yourself, this is verse 1 and 2, with the same purpose, to suffer in the flesh, to cease from sin. Now, I'm going to ask you an honest question. Do you suffer when sin is knocking at your door to be angry in an unrighteous way, to collect a debt, to be offended, to worry, to be anxious, to lose your temper, to resent, to be bitter, to feel rejected, it's knocking at your door. Is it suffering to not give in to that and resist it and refuse to enter in to that lie? Is it suffering? Answer me. Yes. It is much easier to give in. It's much easier to worry and to fret, to get angry, to get offended, to feel rejected, put on that code of rejection, to not trust God. It's much easier. I prefer it but I don't prefer the consequences. Biblical suffering in its highest form is 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. Since Christ suffered in the flesh, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose, to suffer in the flesh to cease from sin. Read the whole chapter, it's powerful. Oh, but it says if we suffer with him, we'll be glorified with him. You don't bear what Jesus already bore. But none of us are immune from temptation. None of us. None of us. What did Jesus pray? That you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What did Jesus tell the disciples outside of Gethsemane? Stay here and pray, lest you enter into temptation. They stayed there and slept. 
Could you not tarry one hour? He asked that today. Could you not tarry one hour? Can you not pray for one hour? Prayer should be your lifestyle. So what is flying over your head? <clears throat> is it the banner, he doesn't care, he doesn't hear? Where are you, God? Do something. I wrote down, he doesn't care, so he's not there. And that's the next banner. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. First mention, Ezekiel 48, 29 and 35. The land which you shall divide by allotment to the tribes of Israel as their inheritance are several portions. And the distance around the city is 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day and ever after shall be Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. It's so easy to develop that orphan spirit where we just don't believe that he's present because we're suffering so much. Yes, the disease, the disease, the report is suffering. Yes, it is. Indeed, it is. But we're to resist the devil. It's easier to enter in and believe the bad report than it is to resist the works of darkness and submit to the word of God and believe what you cannot see. That's why the promises of God are vital for your life. And I cannot tell you the number of times I've asked people, well, what word are you standing on? And when I get the, uh, and then they just pull something that they got out of Sunday school one day. But it's not rhema. I did a whole message on rhema, on the revelation of the Holy Spirit. When you see a word and you know it's yours and, and you have that pit bull stand, I will not let go until I see this fulfilled. That's how it, how it is. I was rereading the 23rd Psalm. And you know that the Lord Jehovah reveals himself as everything we've studied. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Raha. He feeds, guides, and shields me. I shall not lack, Jehovah Jireh. He makes me lie down in fresh green pastures and leads me beside the still waters, Jehovah Shalom. There's no stress in still waters, people. He refreshes and restores my life, Jehovah Rapha. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Jehovah Shammah. Surely goodness and mercy follow me, Jehovah Nissi. He's all here in the 23rd Psalm. And isn't it exciting that we are in Psalm 23 in 2023? So what is your banner? Do you know the Lord is with you? John 16, 7, I'm wrapping up. I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it's good for you, expedient and advantageous for you that I go away. Jesus said it's good for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby will not come. But if I go away, I will send him to be in close fellowship with you. We have indwelling in us the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby. What power? When we come back in September, we are going deep into who he is. Deep, 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 deep. I already quoted Matthew 28, verse 20. I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion to the very end of the age. So I want to close 
with Isaiah 55. This was one of my lake times that was so meaningful to me. I was asking the Lord in some big, 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 big things. Am I hearing your voice? And, you know, the minute I wake up in the morning, I start listening. I mean, I just, that's just my habit. I just really start listening. And I began to hear Isaiah 55. And I saw something. <clears throat> I'm going to read it to you. Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. So there's something we have to do. We have to forsake doing the way we want. And our thoughts that are not wholesome and lined up with the word of God. And let him return to the Lord. And the Lord will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God. Because he will multiply his abundant pardon. Here you go. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, so the Lord's saying, I have thoughts that are really high. I mean, they're, they're big. They're, they're magnificent. They're high all the way to heaven, my thoughts are. Well, Lord, how am I supposed to think like that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. His word is his voice. That's why it is vital that you live your life by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not what pertinent sees out of the mouth of the media, God forbid. Let's remember who the prince of the power of the air is. I don't listen to it. I just don't. That doesn't mean I'm ignorant. But if I sat there and I filled my mind with all the bad reports, there's no way I could believe that the government rests on the shoulders of Jesus. I just couldn't. And you can't either. The Bible says, forsake those thoughts and turn to the Lord. And he gave the illustration, the rain and the snow come down from heaven and water the earth. Who's waiting on the earth? So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Who's waiting on the earth? The angels. What are they waiting for? Your words. And the angels, the la Jacob's ladder, they're going to take the word, ascending it back to heaven. And it will not. Here, here's what the Lord says. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please in purpose. It will prosper in the thing to which I sent it. His word is his voice. You can be assured with complete certainty that if you are returning God's word, the angels are waiting to ascend and then descend. They will take the word, return it to heaven, God will say, fulfill that purpose. I'm watching over my word to perform it. And they will come back to earth with the fulfillment. And that is why when we have our October, December, February, May brunch, we're going to focus on angels, not to worship them. I so enjoyed Frank Peretti's original books, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. And I was so troubled that he quit writing them. And I remember Googling it. And asking, why did Frank Peretti stop writing these books? And I read an interview by him. Because you know his main angel was named Tall, T-A-L. And he said, because people started forming denominations 
to worship angels. And the Lord said, stop. We never worship angels. They're messengers. They're messengers. And they're sent to minister to the saints. That's us. So get God's word in your mouth. Ask him what your banner is. I want to hear about it. I want to hear what banner is flying over your head. And when we start session two, I'll choose some of you to testify what banner is flying over you. What's in your airspace? Because the Lord is there. Father, thank you that the banner over all of us is your love. Help us to embrace it. Deliver every one of us from that foreboding, from that orphan spirit that says you're withholding from us. Because your word says you will not withhold anything good from those who walk uprightly. And I thank you for that, Lord. I worship you in your goodness and holiness and kindness. I pray, Father, that even this day, every person in my hearing, the voice, hearing my voice, will supernaturally see the banner flying over their heads. What you have written on it. And I know that according to Isaiah 61, we delight you. And our land is owned and protected by you. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.